0: This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to The Coindesk Podcast Network.
2: Hey everyone, it's The Hash and we almost had the whole gang here. Wendy O is having some technical difficulties. Maybe she will join us today. Maybe not. I'm Jensenassi, Will Foxley, and Zach Seward. Are right, here, though, Zach, you're going to kick us off some more hacking news.
1: Some more tomfoolery and shenanigans are going on in the world of blockchain, and this time it's on Solana. Wallets, over 8,000 of them, were drained overnight in what amounts to a pretty crazy hack, attack, bug, flaw. No one's quite sure yet, but that's a lot of people. If you have a phantom wallet or a slope wallet or a trust wallet, it's a good time to check your funds, make sure you weren't impacted. By this exploit. Kind of crazy. This is uh, this is one that seems to affect a bunch of wallets across the ecosystem. It's not just one issue here. This was sort of transpiring overnight, and I think it's still unclear how much funds were drained here. So check your wallets, folks. This one is kind of an interesting story of things going wrong and no one being quite sure why. I'm gonna to toss this to Will for his initial thoughts on this situation. Good to see you again, Zach.
3: Hope vacation was good. No, this hack was really interesting, right? It followed after the Nomad hack was the last week or over the weekend, which was also a huge hack, one of the largest in DeFi's history. And that one was pretty standard in terms of hacks we've seen over the last two years. It was a bridge attack where someone was able to like get into the code and siphon off a bunch of funds. Here, it seems like a bunch of wallets that probably were using a lot of the same dependencies from their code bases were hacked in 6,000 plus wallets. And I've seen between 2 to $6 million in funds being taken as well, like no one's quite sure what the, the total amount is. And a lot of people are just finding out themselves, right? They're going to a Solana wallet, they're looking at their NFTs and realizing, hey, I don't have any of my sold tokens left or my USDC on Solana is now gone. There's even been some reports of some Ethereum wallets also being swept. Doesn't seem like this is a chain issue, right? It's not like Solana is broken or Ethereum is broken. It seems to be something on the wallet layer where these wallets were using same, similar dependencies for the code behind it, the crypto, and it is broken on some level. Someone figured it out and someone took all this money. The big bummer part about this is really the retail implications, right? The fact that someone had their hot wallet and they didn't really know what this was for. They probably knew the ecosystem because they're using Solana, which is a very easy onboarding experience for most people. And they just had all their tokens stolen just because the wallet wasn't configured correctly or there was some sort of hack in it. And so this really is affecting retail in a different way than other hacks. Often are not affecting retail. They can't affect retail but oftentimes they're affecting larger projects that have some sort of backstop or have some sort of institutional investors. And those are the investors who get washed out, not necessarily the retail. So it's wild to see that happen, and it's a huge bummer. And this comes, of course, after we've seen like a nice little pump and resurgence in tokens over the last 30 days or so. Wendy, welcome back to the show. I won't give you the hot seat quite yet. I'll actually share the story to Jen for her take, but we're talking about Solana and what an awful night last night was.
2: Well, you actually did that to me one time. I had some technical issues, came back to the show, and you're <laughs> like, Jen, what do you think? I was just a mess and with you. some random stuff, yeah. Anyways, I only had a $100 worth of soul in my phantom wallet, and I was sweating. So I can only imagine how people with all of their soul in their phantom wallet, because they've just onboarded, and it's an easy way to store your crypto. Maybe they haven't figured out how to use cold wallet yet. They haven't set one up yet. And this was the thing that kind of pushed them to Figure it out. I was running around my house like looking for that hundred dollars, looking for like an empty ledger that I could put my my one point five soul onto. And I felt sorry for the retail customers. I think this is again another situation of crypto tuition, crypto university. Solana is really easy to use, but you know these are some of the downfalls that we're experiencing in the ecosystem. And it's super super important to understand how to store your crypto. So if you didn't have a hard wallet last night, I'm sure that you'll be online buying one today so so that you can only keep what you need in your hot wallet. Wendy.
0: Right when I saw the story break, I posted on all of my socials. So I tried to reach over 700,000 people. And of course, the video didn't do well because nobody cares about OPSEC ever. But what I will say is I was kind of freaked out. I also woke woke up at 2 a.m. I'm like, oh my God, I have to double check my stuff again, make sure everything is safe. But another piece of advice that I do want to give people is try not to use a cell phone to store your cryptocurrency. If you're using your cell phone that you use every day and you're trying to store your cryptocurrency, or your NFTs there, it's silly. Have multiple, multiple different phones. I do. These aren't even all the phones that I have. And on top of it, you need to manually write your seed phrase down or your password, whatever it is that you're using. Don't keep it online. Don't use one of those password managers. I think that is very dangerous, and I think it puts you at more risk. You're gonna have to do things the old-fashioned way, write that stuff manually down. But again, I feel really terrible for anybody who was impacted. It is just really, really sad that the industry is not built out the way we need to be, especially when we're getting closer and closer and closer to mass adoption.
1: Yeah, the plane is being assembled in mid-flight. I mean, I think this is a good reminder that DeFi is still quite experimental, and even something as fundamental as wallet technology, Can have major flaws. So when we talk about the experimental wilds of DeFi, be it on Ethereum or Solana, this is kind of what we're talking about. Things like this have and do happen. And it's interesting to see new ways that money keeps getting pilfered. People take advantage of these systems. It is raw market forces out there. If there's something to be taken advantage of, someone clever enough to do it will likely do it. So it's interesting to
3: think about ways to protect one's funds in an environment such as this. But Will, I saw your hands up. I want to ask everybody about the implications here. So you just brought up, don't leave crypto on a phone, right? But Solana has been building a phone and they've been getting a lot of heat over the last 12 hours about all these problems with the Solana platform, whether that be the wallets or chain interruptions or other hacks. And then they're still focused on different projects like the Solana phone. So do you guys think it's fair to levy that criticism at Solana or a Solana ecosystem? Or is that like the, the wrong approach? Because I think entrepreneurs often get blasted for being experimental and pushing the boundaries and things when we have these huge hacks, but everyone also likes when they get their new phone or they like when they get this new product. Wendy?
0: Personally, I would not use the phone in any way, shape, or form, especially for my crypto. Well, maybe if it's just like walking around money, but I don't walk around with a lot of money in my wallet. And I take that type of ideology when it comes to crypto. Um, I think it's important for them as entrepreneurs to release new things, but at the same time, they should put a longer date on when they're gonna release it and kind of get their network in order. Because if they don't get their network in order and they just keep pushing, 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 they're gonna put their customers and their community at risk. And I just don't think it is a good idea at this current time to kind of integrate with a phone. And I'm kind of like old school and the people that taught me about how to safely store my crypto, they were super Bitcoin OGs in the space. And it was always known, you don't keep your crypto on your phone. And if you're going to use your phone for anything, especially 2FA, keep it offline. You use a separate email and don't have anything linked to you.
2: All right, we'll leave that there. But there will be more education, I'm sure, on the hash sometime soon. Let's talk about Facebook. So they built a whole business focusing on news. Now, a senior executive says that the company's focus is on the creator economy. The decision was made at the product level not at the partnerships level with the meta spokesperson saying products are regularly evaluated to ensure we're focused on the most meaningful experience for people on facebook and the future of our business of course as we know meta is focusing on its namesake the metaverse moving forward so this doesn't really come as a surprise but i think a lot of people on facebook are on there for the news so will i'm going to kick this down to you what do you think
3: yeah this is weird if you think back to like 2016 or the 2020 election and like facebook news was a huge part of that right like all the scandals involving how their news program was run people constantly levying, like hey you're using this as like a political weapon and you guys are technically a publisher but you're also a social media site and now it's just going away, right? It was a business decision, it looks like. So they're moving into the metaverse. They want to focus on those projects. They're throwing a lot of capital at that. And they're getting rid of these old projects. To me, the first thing I thought of was like how corporate Facebook is at this point. that They have to take so much time to steer this giant boat in whatever direction they want to go. Right? At first, they're like, we're all on news. We want to spend a lot of time with news. We got these huge deals with Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and others. Now they're sunsetting those programs. And they're putting a ton of money into the metaverse. We saw that last week or two weeks ago when uh, we saw Facebook talk about what they were doing with the projects and how much money they're expected to make with the metaverse projects going to the future. They talked about 2030 being like maybe the first time they'll actually see some revenues coming out of this metaverse department. To me, it just screams like they are always behind and they're always going to be behind because they're so large. They're going to have to make decisions... Sort of waiting for everyone else to kind of claim the field, waiting for TikToks of the world to to grab the land, and then they're going to have to pivot and move towards it. Zach, I want to get your take on this, though.
1: I saw Jen. I bet Jen has a good thought on this. Jen, did you put your hand up?
2: (laughs) I did. I just wanted to add. The article mentioned increasing regulation around the world that requires tech platforms like Facebook to pay for news. So this is definitely a business decision that speaks to their metaverse play, but also to increasing regulation worldwide that is forcing them to spend money to feature news on the platform it makes me think you know regulators are coming for the metaverse i think the metaverse is going to be heavily regulated i wonder what facebook is thinking in terms of that if they're going to let regulation kind of really dictate their business moves i don't know zach do you have any thoughts on that
1: i don't know like facebook (laughs) man I'm not very excited by Facebook. Let's put it that way, right? They no keep doing ends. all these things. They keep changing course. They are this leviathan of the online world. And yet, I think to Will's point, they're always kind of a step behind. And maybe that's by design, right? Maybe they let the TikToks of the world show where there's product market fit and then pivot to it, right? Their own Instagram, right? They, they compete in those terms. So I don't know. This to me is potentially good in the long run. Hopefully, news organizations cannot be as reliant on Facebook as they had been in the past, especially when it comes to, you know, depleting revenue, especially in the local news context. You know, maybe this helps news organizations kick the bad habit of relying on Facebook engagement. That's not to say that Facebook is not a huge force in driving online traffic. So it could be bad for them in the near term. I don't know. Interesting to see where Facebook is going. Meta, all that jazz. They keep sort of stumbling forward. And it's gonna be interesting to see if they can sort of find their footing around the metaverse plates specifically. But I'll toss it to Wendy. Wendy?
0: So anytime I hear the term Facebook, it reminds me of that really lame big brother you have that's just kind of like there, that's kind of watching, but just is in his room playing video games, doing his thing. And I kind of liked what Zach said about maybe they're just kind of taking a step back and it's by design and they're watching to see what these other platforms are doing and then they're going to go to market with that. But at the same time, we've seen them completely rebrand and call themselves meta and they still haven't done anything with that. I mean, and it's one of the older platforms that have actually been able to sustain. Like, we saw something similar. We saw, like, back in the day, it was MySpace and it was Facebook. Nobody uses MySpace anymore. Everybody kind of migrated to Facebook or to Meta now. But it's going to be interesting to see if, in fact, they do anything or they just kind of like fizzle out once their user group or their market segment also fizzles out as well. Because what young people are really using Facebook right now?
2: They did do one thing, they hired 10,000 people. So maybe those 10,000 brains are going to figure out how they can retain their audience. I think it's important to mention though that while, yes, Facebook is kind of lame and none of us are on it. I think a lot of us are on Instagram and a lot of the world relies on WhatsApp for communication in different ways. And both of these platforms are also owned by Facebook. So it will be interesting to see if they pivot and how they pivot, if they're able to hold on to that audience they've built.
3: Moving over to Robinhood, which is another embattled tech platform out there. According to a new report, they're laying off 23% of their workforce, about 780 people from the firm. This comes after first of layoffs a few weeks ago, about 11% of their staff. Yesterday, we got a look into their revenues, actually doing pretty well, up a few percentage points, uh, but down across most products, minus crypto, which saw a 7% increase. The stock hood itself is down 70% year to date, uh, or actually since it launched, pretty rough from a public market perspective. And it's just been doing pretty poorly in general after facing a lot of accusations in the GameStop thread and then uh, some other accusations against the CEO over the last year. This is a pretty embroiled firm that we've seen. They have a product market fit, right? They're firmly within the grasp and understanding that people want to be able to use crypto. They want to be able to use stocks and trade it on the fly. Zach, I want to throw this one down to you, get your take on it. The interesting thing to me that I did not see in any of this was the rumors a few weeks ago about FTX potentially scooping up more of Robinhood. Of course, they have about 11% stake in the company through SPF's investment.
1: Yeah, I thought the thing that out to me was the letter from CEO Vlad Tenev basically saying, quote, it's on me, right? Made some strategic miscalculations about this market continuing to be pretty frothy and hired accordingly, right? And this is the story that we saw play out with Coinbase as well when they onboarded more and more staff to accommodate sort of full market demand, all of a sudden, you know, the landscape has shifted dramatically. And these companies that have been scaling up during the heady days of 2021 are now in this new macroeconomic reality, where cuts such as this drastic cuts such as this have to happen. So again, this is human people losing their jobs, their futures are a little bit up in the air right now, definitely thinking of them. But strategically, I think the things that we've been seeing play out across crypto firms are also affecting those that have a footprint in the world of traditional finance in addition to crypto in Robinhood's case. But yeah, these are pretty, pretty big cuts for Robinhood to be announcing and a pretty candid letter from the CEO saying, hey, my bad, guys, you know, we miscalculated here. It's going to be interesting to see if they can sort of reclaim some ground and footing. Uh, Will, to your point, you know, definitely a few black guys uh, for Robinhood in the last 12 to 18 months. Jen, tossing to you.
2: Yeah, I think the letter was great. I think it's great that the CEO took ownership here. I think what's important to remember when you're a part of layoffs of this size is that communication is so important and it's not only the people who have been laid off that are affected, it's the employees that remain, right? I think at a lot of these companies, you hear stories from within about people walking on eggshells. They're not sure if they're going to get laid off next. They're not sure if they have job security. And I think it's really important if you have to have layoffs to this magnitude to really communicate to your employees, to really ensure that the employees that remain have what they need to continue to do a good job. Because I think what we're seeing is these mass layoffs happen. People aren't sure about leadership. They're aren't sure about the strategic future. Then people start leaving that job and the company finds itself in a position where they don't have employees left to do the jobs that remain. And it's just a more dire situation. So I think internal communications is so, so, so important I heard a story about a company in the space that did layoffs, I think two or three weeks ago. They told everyone this is the last round of layoffs. Everyone can breathe. And then a week later, there was another round of layoffs. So take care of the people who are there, communicate, and try to learn from your mistakes. Wendy?
0: I just want to know like, what departments they were cutting in because let's face it a lot of people are still at home they're still trading they're interested in crypto they're interested in stocks like because we have such a grasp on social media people are using that type of information that's being put out to trade so i'm not understanding exactly why they did this like what what departments they or or what type of people from the departments they laid off and why they did it obviously like profit is most important but but at the same time if you're going to have a company like Robinhood that is creating a service Don't you want to make sure that it works well? Because let's face it, if you let people go, the morale of the company goes down. People that are already there are kind of like, eh, they don't know if they want to do their job or not, and they're not going to be performing as well because they're kind of walking on eggshells. Then you're going to be pushing products out or the type of service that you're providing, the quality is going to go down. So I don't know why customers would continue to want to use a platform that could potentially experience it. Also, too, I do think that FTX US will probably absorb Robinhood in some aspect in the near future. Because it just seems that, like there's a lot of sketchy behavior happening behind closed doors with Robinhood. I mean, who even really knows what's happening?
3: It's fair. I want to go back to what Vlad Tenev was saying here in the investor or the note to the company. It's interesting that he would go out and say, like, we thought that this market would continue to have strength when crypto itself is known to have these bull and bust cycles. And then the stock market itself has really been trading all upwards for like 10 years or so, but it's like been very weak the last two to three years. And a lot of people have been predicting that there's going to be some sort of crisis. So the fact that he put that forward as like the thesis for the company, and then now a lot of people are getting laid off from that is pretty unfortunate just to be stark with it. Obviously that happens. And when you're a CEO, you have to make decisions based on the tea leaves in front of you. Uh, But to see like a 23% reduction in the staff, just because you didn't hedge your firm correctly, that's pretty tough. And like you said, Zach, those are people's lives and those are people's jobs that are just gone now. We'll see what happens. And this follows up with a lot of tech layoffs, right? We've seen, I think, well over 100,000 is what I've seen, like tech layoffs over the last I know, six, seven months or so. Uh, just because that entire market is cooling off. Uh, it's a very risky sector, and a lot of people are pulling money out from these tech stocks. They're pulling out money from these tech investments. People are not purchasing them as much. And that, that's just going to be something that I think continues. Robinhood is almost just like capping that off, right? It's really becoming more drastic than it has been over the last few months. But we can kick it over to the next story. Actually, I think it's windy. CFTC, right?
0: Yay, because you guys know how much I love talking about public servants. So this next story that we have to talk about, we have to, it's basically about the CFTC. So title is CFTC would become primary crypto regulator under new Senate committee plan. And this was actually, it looks like it was imposed by the Senate Agriculture Committee and they oversee the CFTC. And they basically introduced a new bill that grants the CFTC exclusive jurisdiction over crypto trades that meets commodities law. The bill is going to be known as Digital Commodities Consumer Protection Act, and it would create a definition of digital commodity that would include crypto, Bitcoin, and Ethereum, but not anything that may be a security, which is weird (laughs) because it sounds like they're going to have to kind of give that back to the SEC. So this bill is going to allow the FTC, if it is a pass, the ability to oversee both digital commodity transactions, force registration of digital commodity platforms, but they're still going to have to work alongside the SEC. To determine what is a security and what isn't a security, and I kind of want to hand this over to Will because his face is giving me that crunchy look. Like, what the <laughs> heck does even happen here?
3: <laughs> My favorite thing about this whole story was the Agriculture Committee, right? The fact that we're having the Agriculture Committee decide what is crypto regulation or not. This just just tells you like how backwards some of our things are, some of our legislation, some of our government entities out there, like Agriculture Committee probably set up in the 1800s sometime when the most uh, prominent commodities on people's minds were like wheat futures or something of that sort. So that's just sort of a, a funny take here. From the angle of the CFTC deciding what is a commodity and what is not, doesn't seem like this is really involved in that bill. What is involved in this bill is the CFTC has a little bit more guidance on over Bitcoin and over Ethereum and over any other crypto token that makes it from that security classification to a commodity. There's been like this unspoken rule around crypto that over time as it becomes more decentralized, it can transform from a security into a commodity. And there's even been some SEC and CFTC heads who've more or less acknowledged that. Still, it's not an actual established law that that is the case. And a lot of people are still waiting for the SEC to give out solid information around what is a security and what is not a security when it comes to crypto tokens. We've talked about that endlessly on the show. And I'm sure in five years, we will still be talking about that endlessly. The most recent case here is with Coinbase, right? Where Coinbase is being actively investigated, uh, reportedly investigated by the SEC over uh, the listing of certain tokens that are securities or not securities. Coinbase shot back and said, these are not securities. We've adhered to guidance from the SEC itself. Why are you investigating us? Uh, But the SEC obviously is going to do what it thinks it can do to protect retail investors. CFTC is on the other side of that saying Bitcoin, Ethereum have moved into commodities, they are not securities, they have different classifications for a reason based on their features. And so there should be some difference in the guidance here going forward. I don't know what happens with all this, right? We don't know if the agricultural committee will pass any of this. We don't know if this is enough to really change the landscape for exchanges, which is really where this matters. And we don't know if this is enough guidance for like your average token holder, Joe, to be able to buy Bitcoin and buy Ethereum, not have to worry about the SEC coming after them. That remains for another day. Jen, I'll take it up to you though.
2: Yeah. So this bill, I think is a step in the right direction, but it still requires the CFTC to define what a commodity is and the SEC to define what a security is. And so far it looks like they're not in agreement. just by reading news stories. Gary Gensler has been very outspoken about his opinion that ETH is a security. And he's actually said most cryptos are securities. So I think having the SEC and the CFTC working together on this adds more confusion and more uncertainty to, to the regulatory atmosphere. And so I don't know, I think if this bill goes through, it is a small step in the right direction, but I think we're going to see a lot of arguing in between the two bodies. What I focused on though is the blog post mentioned right at the end of the article that was published by Coin Center. And it mentioned the definition of dealer. So the definition of dealer in, in this particular bill is referring to anyone who buys and sells crypto, regardless of if they buy and sell as a business. And this just was another indicator to me that the language that's being included in these bills are still so unclear and still so left to interpretation. That we're really not getting anything done. Like, I, I feel like we really need to get granular on the definitions. But, Zach, I'll give it to you for the last words before we wrap it up.
1: I just think the corn future stuff is really funny how, like, you know, Bitcoin isn't easily <laughs> classifiable. So, like, you know, it is regulated in the context of like corn and commodities. So, anyway, when we pivot to corn <laughs> desk, corn desk TV, uh, this, mm-hmm. this today is the day. Today is the day. I do think what is happening behind the scenes, though, with some of these bills is that. Various participants in the crypto industry are putting their weight behind different versions of what these future regulatory schemes will look like. So, behind the scenes, I think people are saying, okay, this one is a little bit better, or this one is a little bit better. And we're going to throw our weight when it comes to lobbying behind one or the other. So, which one gets over the finish line? Who knows? It's going to be interesting to see who's backing which one, though. All right, that's it for the day. It's Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow on a Thursday. It's The Hash. I'm Zach. That's Will, Wendy, and Jen. You're watching us here. Or on your platform of choice. But also check us out on the podcast network. It's good stuff over there. Good stuff on those pods. We love a good pod. All right, that's it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day out there and see you. Bye.
2: Bye.
0: You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you, so if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Hopefully this is the last time you hear this ad, because with Chime Checking Account,